0: Go to overcomecompulsivehoarding.co.uk slash online therapy to get 20% off your first month of cognitive behavioural therapy with weekly sessions online with a therapist in addition to worksheets, a journal, meditation and yoga videos and unlimited messaging. There's strong evidence that CBT can help people who hoard and accessing therapy online can be affordable and accessible. Find out more and get your discount at OvercomeCompulsiveHoarding.co.uk slash online therapy. Welcome to the Overcome Compulsive Hoarding with That Hoarder podcast. I am drowning in stuff and trying to find a way out. Listen as I explore the issues and delve deep as somebody profoundly affected by hoarding disorder Find out more, including links to subscribe to the podcast at overcomecompulsivehoarding.co.uk and find the links there to follow me on Twitter, Facebook, Reddit and all over the place. So I'm going to talk today about an idea that I'd come across a few times, but I hadn't really thought about how I could apply it to myself. But I've been doing some work on this and I had a recent experience that made me think it's actually a great idea. So I'm going to talk about shopping your own stuff. There is not much point in de-hoarding your home if you're only going to fill it back up with new purchases. I say this with a not insignificant dig to myself. I'm not the best at not buying things. But that is exactly why shopping your own stuff was an important thing for me to start incorporating into my life. There are always going to be things you need to buy, you know, obviously, but often, especially for hoarders, we do already own the thing we think we desperately need or something close enough to do the job. I'm not the only person who has deliberately rebought something I know I already own because I can't find it. But there are also things that I think I don't own, but actually I do. So I had an event recently, a work event. Now, like many people, I've been working from home and I don't really have smart work clothes anymore. And I had a big event that I was quite nervous about. I had to make a good impression. I had to be really on it professionally. And my anxiety about this event I started to think, well, if I can make sure I look my best, then I won't be nervous. Now, this obviously isn't true, but it was just the way my brain kind of thought I could deal with it. So I thought, right, if I look really smart, then then I'll make a good impression and it will be great. So I bought some makeup, which was a legitimate purchase because I also haven't worn makeup for ages and you can't just... You can't use makeup that's been open and used for years and years and years. It gets full of bacteria and germs and you have to throw this stuff away and restart once in a while. So I think that was a legitimate purchase. I just bought some basic makeup. And then clothes. This is where what I did was unreasonable. (laughs) I thought, right, I don't have work clothes. Now, that's not true. But I, in my anxiety, that's what I was telling myself. So a couple of weeks before the event, I did an online shop for kind of, for some work clothes. And I deliberately, because I have so much stuff and because I lose stuff a lot, I deliberately put the parcel when it arrived in a particular place and didn't especially open it or look at it, but I w- needed to know that I wouldn't lose it before this event. So the day before the event I thought, right, I will try these different things on that I bought and see which feels most comfortable so that tomorrow I can just get dressed and go and it will be fine. So I opened this parcel properly and discovered that in my anxiety and in my panic I had bought trousers and nothing else. (laughs) I had three pairs of trousers and I found out which were the most comfortable, so that was fine, but I hadn't bought a top. And to say I panicked is an understatement. I convinced myself somehow that I own no tops, and that I would have to go to this posh work event topless. I mean, I was literally wearing a top as this happened, but because my anxiety was so manifesting on how I presented myself, that was my panic. And my clothes are in a I'm improving how my clothes are organised, but it's still quite chaotic. But what I have been doing, in a bit to kind of containerize things, I've got various big bags and I'm putting tops into one and bottoms into another and jumpers into another and that kind of thing. So I got the big bag of tops. Now, bear in mind, I was there with a big bag of tops, still going, I have no tops rationality wasn't my friend at that particular point and so i started going through the tops in the big bag of tops and i found a good three or four that would have been suitable for a smart work event so that panic was over but what was really interesting was that in the process of doing that i came across another four or five tops that i thought i love this top why do i not wear it more often this top's great. I love that style or I love that colour. And so when I repacked the tops back into the big bag, I put those ones at the top so that I could be really excited at the tops that I'd rediscovered, that I'd virtually forgotten I owned, that I really like. And then I tried on the three or four work tops that I'd found, found the most comfortable one that went with the trousers. All was well. I went to the work event and it was fine. It was absolutely fine. My anxiety um had been unwarranted. But the point is that I thought I had to buy new. I thought I didn't own what I needed. But when I looked, I found not only that I own what I needed, but also that I owned things that I could feel excited about and that had been overlooked in the big house of chaos. And this doesn't have to only happen with clothes. Obviously, it can happen in the kitchen. You think you need a particular pan and you can't get hold of one or 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 whatever. And so you go into the depths of your kitchen cupboards and find that you own not only that particular pan, but it's a brilliant one or it's the one you are about to buy. Something like that. It can happen with birthday cards. It can happen with... Charger cables. How often have I bought new charger cables? Because it seems easier than plunging into the box of tangled cables and trying to find the right one. But then I do eventually plunge into the box of tangled cables and I already have six that are USB-C or I already have six that are micro USB or whatever it is I need. So the good thing about calling this shopping your own stuff rather than calling it rummaging through your piles or diving into your hoard, is that shopping your own stuff sounds better. It's a positive attitude wording compared to something that you have to tolerate or that you might even dread. When you're shopping your own stuff, you feel good about looking through things and you feel great that ultimately you buy, in inverted commas, something, or you find the thing you want to use in a lot of cases. It feels, it gives you that kind of mini high that a purchase does. So what are the benefits of shopping your own stuff? One is it's more conscious. You become a lot more aware of what you own, what you need, what you can put together, what you can make, what you can use. You are not so much walking through your own home with no idea what's around you. It makes you more aware of what you have. It makes you more conscious. Another benefit is that it will obviously save you money if you can find what you need in your home rather than buy what you need from a shop. That saves you money. But a big one for the people listening who hoard is that it will stop more clutter coming into your home and that means you'll have more space. And it also means that if you're making progress with de-hoarding, that progress will be more visible, it will be more obvious, and it will be more significant. Shopping your own stuff is also more sustainable. We're all aware these days that fast fashion isn't sustainable, that buying new electronics all the time isn't sustainable, that we need to be a lot more aware of reduced, reuse, recycle, and also repurpose. We need to think about sustainability and shopping your own stuff is a great way to start doing that. Another benefit is that you'll get a clearer idea of what you own. It seems ridiculous to think that we've forgotten things we own, but especially if you live in an environment that's really overwhelmingly Overstimulating because you have so much stuff. It's actually really easy to forget what you own and shopping your own stuff makes you see those things. Like when I was looking for a smart top, I also discovered several casual tops that I love and you'll make better use of what you already have. And that will make you feel better rather than feel guilty about things you've already acquired. Often if somebody acquires compulsively like they hoard compulsively. They might feel great when buying something and then guilty afterwards. Whereas if you can ultimately use those things, you'll feel better. You'll feel better about what you've already done. And you might get a better idea of what you truly want and what you truly like. When you go in a shop, say, say safer clothes, then what you're choosing from is what that shop's buyers want to sell you. What you're choosing from is what that shop is marketing to you. And so you can lose track of what you, as a person, as an individual, actually like. Maybe the colour of the season is yellow, and so you buy the yellow things. But actually, if you were choosing from a rainbow of clothes, you would never choose yellow because you're not a fan. We are all influenced by marketing and we're all influenced by what shops are trying to sell us. But if we avoid the shops and look at what we have, we'll develop a deeper sense of who we are, what we like and what we want. I'll be back in a sec. Hey collectors, this is Rachel Seavey, host of the Horganize podcast. My podcast is chock full of tips and tricks on how to overcome compulsive hoarding disorder and chronic disorganization. I'd love for you to tune in so that you can learn about why you save things and how to help yourself or how to help a family member or friend who struggles with clutter. You can find me at hoardgoodnights.com or download my podcast on any of your favorite podcast apps. Another benefit is that you will probably, if not certainly, find things you knew you owned but thought were long lost. There are things that I know I have, but I couldn't tell you what room they were in, never mind what part of the room or what drawer or what cupboard or what pile, let's face it. Things that I really want to find and that as yet I haven't. And if you shop your own stuff, sometimes by pure chance you come across those things and that feels great. And finally, another benefit is that if you really, really, really need to buy something, if you need something and genuinely don't own it and genuinely also don't own something you could repurpose to be that thing, it will be clearer through this process. You'll be able to buy it with a clearer conscience, thinking, okay, I really, really don't own this or I did own one, but I found it the other day when I was shopping my own stuff and it is broken beyond repair. So this can make you feel better about the purchase and less guilty about ultimately having to make a purchase. So when should you shop your own stuff? One example of a time to shop your own stuff is when you've lost something. You know you own it, but you don't know where it is. I don't know if this is common amongst hoarders, but I tend to assume that if I don't instantly know where something is, then it's pointless to even look. I feel like it's easier to just buy another one than to try and dive into a big pile of things to try and find something. And yet that's really counterproductive. It's not just that it's a waste of money. It's not just that it's bad for the planet. It's also that it brings more things in which makes it doubly hard to find something next time I'll lose something. So if you know you own something or strongly suspect you own something but you're not quite sure where it is, try shopping your own stuff before automatically making a purchase. It may be that you really, really, really have a good shop around in your home and you genuinely can't find it. And if that's the case, And if you can ask yourself whether you really, really, really need it, and if you do, then you can buy it. But the thing to avoid is automatically assuming you won't be able to find it and buying it without even trying. This is something I'm working on. Obviously, it failed when I bought new trousers for that work event, but it succeeded because I failed to buy new tops and I ultimately found exactly what I needed. Even if you just suspect you own something, shop your own stuff anyway. It still has the benefits that I mentioned above, not just in saving you money and stopping clutter coming in, but it lets you go through your things and you'll, you'll understand better what you own that isn't what you're looking for. You will start to have a clearer sense of your likes. You will probably find something else you thought you'd lost. All of those benefits still apply. Another time to shop your own stuff is if you genuinely don't know if you own something or not, or perhaps you need a particular pair of trousers and you do own them, but you don't know if they still fit. That kind of time is a great time to shop your own stuff. If you might own something, if you think you probably have something, but you don't remember having it, any time like that, start by trying to shop your own stuff. If you've been making progress with your de-hoarding, or if you're doing really well with putting like with like, or if you were always good at putting like with like and so things tend to be together, that's especially a good time to shop your own stuff. Finding the right top for that event would have been doable had I shopped my own stuff and not had things divided up into bags of tops, bags of bottoms, etc. It would have been harder if I just had a great big pile with everything mixed together. So it was easier because I knew that at least some of my tops were all gathered together. But that's not to say it would have been impossible if that hadn't been the case. If you've been putting like with like, that will really help with this process. If you haven't, or if you haven't with a particular area of your home yet, you can still, you can still try this. Another good time for shopping your own stuff is if you'll looking for, or if you need something you can be a bit creative with. In the interview episode I did with Dr. Jan Eppingstall on perfectionism and hoarding, and I will link to that in the show notes at uk, as well as linking to the putting light with like episode also in the show notes. But in the episode on perfectionism with Jan, she talked about it as a rigidity about perfectionism being about being rigid, not being flexible with what you're willing to do or able to do or keen to do. And since recording that episode and since she framed it in that way, I've been trying to be more flexible, more creative in my thinking. It used to be that if I didn't have exactly what I needed, I would have to go out and buy the thing that was exactly right. Whereas now I'm trying really hard and succeeding at being less rigid. If I don't have exactly what I need, but I have something similar that will more or less do the job, then that will do. If if in the long term it doesn't work, then I can reassess that. But my first attempts at things, I'm trying to match what will do rather than having to have perfection from the start. So an example of this is storage. You know, like boxes and bags and how to keep things because I've been trying really hard to compartmentalize things. So like with my clothes, rather than having piles of clothes, putting things in bags or boxes. And I had something, I needed a box. I needed. A plastic box with a lid, right? And I had a very clear idea in my mind of the exact size, the exact proportions, the exact shape. And I love buying storage stuff. I don't know why. I just do. But I knew that because I love buying storage stuff, I have loads of kinds of boxes around the house. Some are used and some are not. And so rather than going straight to buy the perfect plastic box with a lid, I started with plastic boxes with lids that I already have. It didn't feel ideal. It felt uncomfortable to be pushing myself out of that boundary. But I found that my other plastic boxes with lids, while not precisely what I had in mind, one of them was actually perfect for what I needed. And it did the job and it still does the job. That was a few weeks ago and it's working fine for the purposes I needed it for. So say it's your best friend's wedding anniversary and you want a card for them and their partner. Your instinct might be, I better go to the card shop and find a nice anniversary card because I know where my cards are by some miracle. All my greetings cards are together and I know where they are, but I'm pretty sure I don't have an anniversary card. Now, you know where your cards are. So you go and look, maybe. That's step one of shopping your stuff. You think you don't have any anniversary cards, but go and at least look. But the creativity comes in with perhaps, you're right, you don't have any anniversary cards, but perhaps you have a really nice card with a love heart on the front and that would be perfect as an anniversary card. Or perhaps you have a beautiful card with no greeting, but just some artwork on the front that you think your friends will enjoy that kind of breaking out of your rigid expectations. I need an anniversary card and it's got to have penguins on because my friend loves penguins, but it's also got to have green colour because my friend's partner loves the colour green. If you can break out of that rigidity and start getting creative with what you already own, or go to your craft stash and make an anniversary card with what you already have, you don't need to buy new. Now, When you are shopping your own stuff, there are pitfalls, of course, because anybody who's listening to this because they hoard, hoards because our brains don't quite work in the same way as other people's. But there are ways you can turn things around. So one pitfall is that a lot of us get distracted when we start looking through things. We go to look for an anniversary card, and we end up reading through some letters somebody sent us a few years ago that we'd stored in the same place. If you have a mindset of shopping, you may be less susceptible to being distracted because you're looking for something in particular. And in these circumstances, getting distracted isn't the worst thing in the world. Unless you're in a rush, then you can maybe let yourself get distracted. But something to consider is whether or not when you're shopping your stuff, whether you want to do some sorting at the same time. Now, I can see pros and cons of sorting at the same time. A pro, obviously, is that you might end up with more organized stuff and you might end up with stuff that can be donated or given away or thrown away. This is great in your de-hoarding process. That's something to be celebrated. And so there's obvious benefits to doing a bit of sorting while you're shopping your stuff. The negative I would say is that if that's in your plan, then shopping your own stuff probably doesn't feel quite as appealing. If you're approaching it as actually a sorting session, then unless you're in the mood for that, you might put it off, you might avoid it. You might not do it at all and you might just go to the shop to buy the thing you need. So I think I would say don't go into shopping your stuff with the mindset that you're going to sort as well. But if you're shopping your stuff and you see something you've never really liked or you see something that's damaged or you see something that definitely doesn't fit, maybe put it to one side Don't turn it into a big sorting session unless you get inspired, in which case do it, do it, do it. Grab that that sense of determination in the moment and make some progress. But I would say as long as you don't plan for it to be a sorting session, then if you pick up the odd thing and decide it can be donated or thrown away, then then do that. In just one second, I'll give you my top tip of the week. In the meantime, please do subscribe to the podcast, review it, five stars would be amazing, and share it with your friends or anyone who might be interested or who might benefit from it. It all really helps. To find more ways to support the website, the podcast, and my overall de-hoarding project, go to overcomecompulsivehoarding.co.uk slash support. Now, back to your top tip. So my top tip this week comes from a podcast called Be Uncluttered with Beck and Tara. I will link to this podcast in the show notes. It's a really good listen. And in an old episode from 2018, they are talking about how to know where to put things if you're sorting and you don't know where something should live. And I really like this advice and it's something I apply myself. And so have a listen to what they have to say. Another thing is, where would you go looking for it? And I say this to clients all the time. Where would you go looking for this in your house? And usually the first thing that pops into your head when you ask yourself that question is going to be the first thing that pops in your head in three months' time when you're looking for that item again. And so that's usually a really good indicator of where it should go. So ask yourself, where would I go looking for this? So I hope that helps you if there are things you're trying to organise in your home and you don't know where to put them. Okay, thank you for listening, and I will speak to you next time. Thank you for listening to the Overcome Compulsive Hoarding podcast. You can find more online at overcomecompulsivehoarding.co.uk. You can find me on Twitter at That Hoarder, and on Facebook at Overcome Compulsive Hoarding with That Hoarder. To find out more about how you can support this podcast and the overall project go to overcomecompulsivehoarding.co.uk forward slash support and do subscribe to this podcast so you make sure you don't miss any future episodes professional support as a hoarder can make all the difference. Having somebody on your side who can help you to learn about yourself and make progress in your home is invaluable, but finding an affordable therapist can be a nightmare. Accessing therapy online gives you the option to find the right person who doesn't even have to be in the same country as you, never mind the same town or city. OnlineTherapy.com offers a weekly live session with a CBT therapist, for individuals or couples. It offers unlimited messaging, worksheets, a journal, and even yoga and meditation videos to help you cope. I have a special link for you that will get you a discount at overcomecompulsivehoardingcouk slash online therapy. As you know, I've had CBT, and two years later, I still use the realizations I had about myself as well as the skills I learned. Listeners tell me that you've started to use some of the skills I've shared on this podcast. CBT is a therapy with a broad evidence base that is widely used for a range of mental health difficulties, including hoarding. OnlineTherapy.com specializes in CBT, and if you're not happy with your therapist, you can change to a new one with the click of a button, and prices start at $40 a week which, if you've seen a therapist before, you'll know is incredibly cost-effective. What's more, if you use my link, you can get a whopping 20% off your first month. So sign up at overcomecompulsivehoarding.co.uk slash online therapy and get 20% off your first month with your new online CBT therapist.